Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. My name is Alan Misev, and welcome to an episode of Hands On. Today's episode, Picking the Right Doctor. It can be shockingly challenging. As a hand surgeon, I can tell you that I have needed a doctor a time or two in my life. I've had a lot of difficulty finding doctors, particularly doctors such as dermatologists, internists, and I've had to go about finding doctors for friends of mine as well. It can be somewhat of a challenging process, even daunting at times. Today I'd like to go in-depth and get hands-on on how to pick a good doctor. Finding a good doctor can be done through a couple of different methods. Number one, you can go online. Number two, you can find one via word of mouth. Maybe friends or family have seen a doctor. Or number three, is you could potentially look for academic medical centers where the centers have branded themselves as center of excellence. I would argue that all three of these options albeit the most common, are highly variable in nature. Online reviews are rather subjective. If you think about it, the only patients that really leave reviews are the ones that love you or the ones that hate you. This is true of Yelp for most restaurants, which is why reviews tend to be so polarizing, either great or horrible. Word of mouth is also a tricky issue in that some people have had a good experience with the doctor while others have not. Some people jive and some people get along well with others while others do not. It's as if your friend recommends a restaurant. Well, if the restaurant sucks, usually you don't blame the, the, the restaurant, you blame the friend because you two have different tastes. The same is true of doctors. Lastly, these academic medical centers, although they brand themselves as centers of excellence, there is typically a significant flux of doctors coming in and out of these centers, and often it's not the doctor themselves that you're actually going to, it's rather the center itself that's effectively branded itself as this, quote, center of excellence, quote, I think the issue with that is that you just don't know what you're going to get once you've sat down with the doctor. So therefore, we have a bunch of subjective ways about finding a doctor, but I wonder if there are a few objective ways that we can go about the process. Let's look at a few objective criteria. Number one we can look at a doctor's education, his training. Where did he go to college? Where did he go to residency? Did he do a fellowship and a subspecialty certification? How much volume does that doctor see of this issue that you have? For instance, carpal tunnel is a common problem. I see it on a daily basis, as do most hand surgeons. It's a process that can be treated by general surgeons, plastic surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, or hand surgeons. The question is, who, who sees the most of it? Multiple studies across different areas of surgery have shown that surgeons with higher volume have better outcomes. If you do more of it, you get better results. 
volume is now being published on websites such as Health Grades. Um, and therefore, this data is becoming available to more and more of the public. Look at outcomes. Well, outcomes are typically a little bit tricky to monitor. Depending on how these are reported, they can be quite subjective in nature. But more and more surgeons are tracking outcomes and publishing this data. Luckily, we live in an information age where a lot of patient data can be easily collected and published. Lastly, look at the certifications this doctor may have. For instance, as a hand surgeon, I've taken my National Board of Medical Examiners training, Step 1, Step 2, Step 3, USMLEs. Uh, I have done a Part 1 of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery and a Part 2 oral boards of American Board of Orthopedic Surgery and I've taken a certified added qualification in hand surgery as well. These certifications are often published and can be easily identified by patients looking up a doctor. Lastly, most states you can look up a medical license for a practicing physician. You can see if that physician has ever had any board complaints against them. They're typically listed, such as lawsuits or just flat-out complaints that have been listed with the board, as well as outcomes of these complaints. You can also look and see if they hold license in other states and if these licenses have ever been suspended. These are just some objective criteria that, as patients, we can look at to find a good doctor. But what makes a good doctor? What makes a good doctor? I can use the example of a hand surgeon. Let's talk about what makes a good hand surgeon. Well, I try to use myself as an example, not because I think of myself as a great hand surgeon, but rather I've gone through the necessary training and I feel as a patient who needs a hand surgeon, I would be pretty highly educated and adept at knowing what makes a good hand surgeon. So let's think about that for a second. Well, we already know that volume helps. So the amount of volume that that surgeon sees of a certain issue obviously increases his or her abilities. But let's look at a couple of other things that matter. Some things aren't that common, and then we have to ask ourselves, well, is this person good, technically speaking, from uh, essentially a hand-eye coordination? That's hard to know. Usually it takes word of mouth or basically seeing their results. Bedside manner is important. I think surgeons that have good bedside manner are often comfortable in their skin, and I must admit Bedside manner is being taught more and more in medical school. When I was a medical student at Northwestern, we used to do interviews with patient actors that were videotaped, and we could see ourselves interviewing patients, how we behaved, our body language, and oftentimes we would dissect this out to know what we were doing well and what we were doing poorly. Bedside manner cannot be understated then we have to ask, is that surgeon improving? Medicine is a field that's constantly changing. 
every year there's a new study that's potentially landmark and, and changing the way we practice. As a surgeon, we constantly have to learn and improve our skills. Does that surgeon attend annual meetings? Does that surgeon go to courses? Does that surgeon teach other surgeons? All of these are indicative of somebody who's staying on top of the literature, making sure that they're learning the latest techniques, and bringing you the latest treatments for your issue. I really think that the last thing is outcomes. It's the results. You know if a surgeon is good based on the results. It's getting a little bit tricky um, to know what a sur surgeon's results are, but there are a couple of ways about going about that. Number one, we are able to track more and more patients. It's getting easier and easier with each passing year. I really think this is the way of the future, being able to see how patients do in a surgeon's practice. These, this data will ultimately be published, and some surgeons are doing it now. Furthermore, you can look a surgeon up on social media. Are they publishing cases? Are they proud of the work they do? This speaks a lot about the surgeon. I really think that that gets to the meat of the issue. But there's one more thing, and that's training. Interestingly, in the field of hand surgeons, the traditional hand fellowships that you would think of as being the premier fellowships are not necessarily at the big-name institutions. For instance, one of the best hand fellowships in the United States is the Indiana Hand Center, or the Philadelphia Hand Center, or the Mary Stern Fellowship in Cincinnati. These are phenomenal fellowships, and everyone knows that, well, and by everyone, I mean everyone in the hand surgery community knows that people trained in these places are typically very good, very capable, and would provide excellent care. But it's not that easy to know that those places are special when it comes to hand surgery. U.S. News doesn't cover this. This is only known in the hand community. I did my residency in orthopedics, and I did a hand fellowship at the Philadelphia Hand Center. But if you were to ask me, what's the best fellowship for joints? and joint replacement surgeons, spine, sports medicine, I don't know, even pediatric orthopedics. And these are all fields in which are closely related to my residency and my training. It's not necessarily that easy to know where's the best training. But these are all things that, that are objectively good that we as patients can discover with a little bit of digging. This was episode one of the Hands-On Podcast. I really enjoyed sitting down and getting hands-on about how to find a good doctor. I hope this podcast wasn't too long, too short, too superficial, or too complex and boring. And I hope to stay in your rooms, your ears, and your hearts for many years to come. <laughs>